Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. I'm feeling a little thawed out. Really? Things are starting to to loosen up here in Michigan, and uh, we got to feel happy about uh, all the uh, animals outside that can kind of just chirp and serenade us and make our days more pleasurable. Well, there's no question. I love this time of year, and now the first day of spring is past, which means that every day is getting longer for a period of time, uh, at least for a couple of months there. But <laughs> I love the fact that at night you can go home, you can sit outside, you can enjoy nature as it is. And frankly, from our show standpoint, we get to deal with some subjects that might not be as easy to deal with during the winter, but they're a lot of fun during the spring and summer. And today's an example of that because we're going to talk about alpacas. And Rick, I know secretly you've always pined to have an alpaca, I'm (laughs) guessing. But bottom line is uh, they're really interesting, cool animals, and they are crazy looking. Yeah, no, um, and I do know that in the the uh, history of the uh, radio making here at the show, uh, you had the uh, unique opportunity to have one spit in your face when yes, you went out to visit the farm. Yes, I did. His so, name was Marquise, I, and, and he I, didn't love me. I, I, <laughs> hey, anybody that's going to throw a little sash your way, I'm all for him. <laughs> well, I wasn't at the time. Uh, he slimed me. But that's good. That's good. Is, it, was, it was interesting to see. But what I really like, the, the owner of the alpaca farm that we're talking to today, Gary, uh, Gabrielle Feitner Baker, mm-hmm. she is so interesting when it comes to the way she describes it because this is a family venture, it's a business venture, and Rick, much like you, it's a quest for love because she loves these animals. And to me, that's really exciting when you can bring business, family, and love for animals together into a single soup. I've seen what it's done for you, and yep. uh, well, it I seems mean, to be working it's, for her. It's, it's the Feitner Family Farm. Well, and that's the that's what they go by, and they include the word family. And I think we'll understand why they include the f- word family, because really it, it comes down to um, kind of family values and appreciation for getting these alpacas not only to fit in their home and have ideal environments within their farm, but also they invite people in and actually provide kind of the services that one would always want if you were thinking about becoming an alpaca hobbyist. And, and, and maybe, the, maybe just in, in exploring, and these, this is the direction you might want to take, is to have a conversation with them in the, at their farm. Uh, Gabrielle is the one that's going to be here today, but uh, calling out there and having a conversation could be rather fruitful even if it means when you're done with the conversation, they're not for you or they are for you or they aren't for you right now, but they will be for you. You know, what kind of preparations do you need to make 
in order to make this idea of having an alpaca. And why would you want an alpaca? So that's the kind of things I'd like to explore today, uh, just because they are such an unusual animal. And, you know, uh, maybe if you're sitting there, you've never thought about having an alpaca or what an alpaca is about, or is it smart? Is it not smart? Is it, you know, trainable? Is it not trainable? And those are the kind of things I'm hoping she can teach us today is that are they a trainable animal? Are they easy to keep? Are they clean? Are they dirty? Those are the kind of things I think we can learn. And I'm hoping that people want to listen because she's a fantastic guest and well-spoken. So you, I think, as a listener, you're going to really enjoy today's show. Well, the one thing I will steal from what you just said and and basically tell people now is that they are very smart animals. Uh, and now don't and, spill don't spill the beans here. Well, I don't want to spill they're, all. They're of going them. to know that everybody's going well, to listen I in. Want to, I don't want to spill all of them, but I will say, much like dogs and horses, you can get beautiful bloodlines and very smart animals that love people and have a relationship with people. It's it's a great process. So uh, listen in and learn this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320 WILF. Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen had to step out to go water some fire hydrants. But they're back now on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us in the studio a returning guest. It's Gabrielle Feitner-Baker, who is the owner of, if I recall it, it was the Feitner Farm that we called it. And she had, last time we talked with her, which I want to say was about a year ago, she had ram, she had sheep, she had alpacas, she had a llama. It was essentially a paradise for people who love crazy animals. But Gabrielle, let's talk. Uh, How have things changed out at the Feitner Farm? I know that there have been some animals that are gone and and some changes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so at the farm um, this year, we decided to switch and focus only on alpacas. Um, so we found the sheep some, you know, pretty nice homes, and they're they're out doing their jobs. Um, several of them went to actually petting zoos, so you will actually see them at the um, Genesee County Fair okay. <laughs> and be able to feed them cookies and things. Um, and then, yeah, we we are like full into the alpacas. We're up to about thirty right now. Wow. So yeah, and we did we did our first of official show this year um and we just recently became environmentally certified so it's been a pretty big year so give uh, the listening folks uh, an understanding of the farm how large is it what would they see if they came out and drove into your driveway um so you drive in the driveway and we kind of have you know wood fence you can't really see that much from the road um mainly for privacy sake and then um go through the gates and it's about 10 acres it's woods in the back and pasture in the front um big red barn classic big you know red steel barn Mm -hmm. and um when you first walk into the pasture it is 
the ladies with, um, you know, prior babies that are getting a little bit older now. And then we have another pasture that has the young males that haven't bred yet. And then we have our stud pasture. So that's how everybody's grouped out. Um, and then Lama Judy lives in with the females. <laughs> and she's old. She's she's 18, I think, Mama now. Judy is the llama. <laughs> she's our, our token llama. Yep, she's there. And she was our very first camelid. Um, and she's she's still sassy. She's so, going to live to be forever, I think. <laughs> I'm just curious if the alpacas, uh, you know, kind of gain a certain sense of uh, comfort with the llama being around? Does it play much of the social arrangement of these alpacas? Or is it kind of the llama is in her world and the alpacas are in their world? Oh, no. They identify as one, I think, as one cohesive uh-huh. group. And she's definitely one of the alpha females. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple alpacas that are alpha females as well. I'd say we have probably three total within the group. But Lama Judy is definitely, she's one of the original bosses of well, the, that pasture. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong. Llamas are, from a size standpoint, they're larger than alpacas and heavier. Is that true? And is that true of Lama Judy? Yeah. So Lama Judy is a little bit bigger um, than the alpacas. She, though, by llama standards, is quite small. A lot of llamas, especially show llamas, can be like six and a half feet tall. She's more oh. like my height, so like five five. <laughs> um, Still pretty big. Yeah, she's she's taller than the alpacas for sure. Mm. And one of the main differences, um, if you're looking at photos between a llama and an alpaca, a llama's ears will look like two bananas kind of cresting in towards each other. Alpaca ears kind of look like elongated, more like cat ears. So a little bit more pointed and a little bit more straight. Um, so that's like your key difference if you're looking at photos and things. Now, alpacas are a substantial part of the culture of South America. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what it would be like to be in South America living there as them being part of their ad, the agricultural world there? Yeah, so they um, were domesticated, essentially, from the native camelids in South America. Um, so people say, well, you know, why do you have to shear them? Well, they've they've always been sheared. They've always been domesticated. They were bred for their fleece. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's basically your South American sheep, your your wool industry. Right, right. Um, so they do uh, eat them down in South America, which we don't see very commonly in. Um, yep, in the United States. Um, I've never personally tried it. I know you can source it in the U.S., uh, but it, again, it's not as common. Um, There's probably a whole lot more alpacas down there, too. Yes. I mean, an entire, like, agriculture. Correct. Um, And then they do breed them differently down there, too. Um, They're going to breed them more like you would a commercial sheep flock. Um, In the United States, especially if you're running a registered flock, which is what we have, you actually set appointments for mating so you know which boy, which girl, which day. Uh Um, In South America, they'll do more like field breeding where they will put a male or several males in with a large group of females, and they're only going to do that maybe once a year. Uh Um, Usually it's during the rainy season, and then um, hopefully everybody gets, gets bred. And right. they're not going to worry as much, you know, about due dates and things like sure. that. Um, well, and you are currently uh, probably, aren't, aren't you in the midst of um, 
thinking about due dates and and having baby yes. llamas? Yeah, so baby alpacas. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah Kriyas. You got me. They're actually both called Kriyas. Um, but yeah, so we have six confirmed pregnancies on the farm. We had the vet out and they did an ultrasound and everything. So you could actually see their little um, skulls in the ultrasound and wow. their little heartbeats. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it was really cool and we got to see some of them. Um, so we have six confirmed. And then we actually just bought a bunch of you know, around two, two and a half year old females. And so we're just starting to breed them for their first year out. Um, and they're from a really nice show flock out in New York. Wow. So that's always interesting, getting the inexperienced ones to kind of figure out what's actually supposed to be happening at that time. And so, just, go ahead. Leave. Well, I was going to say, so how many alpacas do you have now out there? And what is, uh, is there some kind of a baseline of a normal herd as to how many you should have at one time or... What have you? So we have four studs. Um, so the boys group is is a group of four. And then um, the rest are female. I think it's like around 24 is what we have right now. Um, your minimum is three animals of the same gender. So basically, when you're going out and you're shopping and looking to purchase an alpaca, they need to be in a group of three. Um, I have seen people sell them in groups of two. That being said, um, they and they will love their buddy. You know, they they generally get along really well with each other. But if one of the buddies passes away, it becomes an emergency situation. Um, so we actually got one of our favorite alpacas this year was a rescue. Um, her name is Vivi, and she's registered and she's from a gorgeous farm down in Ohio called Coffee Pot Farms. And she came to us kind of just by happenstance. But her um, pasture mate, who was significantly older than her, passed away, and she was by herself. So she essentially stopped eating for about two weeks while the owner was frantically trying to find her another friend. Um, And then eventually she just decided, gosh, I can't really find a friend or it's too expensive or what have you. So long story short, Vivi came to us, um, and she was... A body score of about a one when we got her, which means emaciated, um, and you can tell that by feeling their spine. Um, and there's charts online you can look up to see what it's supposed to feel like. Um, and since she's been on our farm, number one, we put her in a pen with one of our friendly other friendly females. She started eating right away. It wasn't even a delay at all. She was like, I'm happy I'm with my people wow. <laughs> and I'm eating. <laughs> and she has now, since this winter, gained 40 pounds. And she only weighs 100. So th- that shows you how thin she got so quickly, um, so which is it's, it's a dire situation. Um, so that's why if you have your three, if one does pass away, you're not in an, a, you know, an emergency that has to be acted on within the next day or so. So one, are there other animals that exhibit that type of, you know, kind of required uh, group companionship or is this something that's kind of specific to alpacas alpacas and llamas camelids in general yeah i mean so obviously like you have your prey animals in general like a like a sheep like a, a goat and things horses they're they are always happier with a friend Groups. but to the extent they i i have not seen it 
as extreme. They're very, very emotional, and they can get depressed mm-hmm. pretty easily mm-hmm. too. So if you, you know, move them away from their bonded friend, you know, let's say yeah. someone is you purchase one from somebody, and even if you have your group and they're in a group, they could still show, you know, signs of depression, not eating, not drinking as much, mm-hmm. being kind of more loafing around um, if they're missing their buddy from their old herd um, yeah. or if the buddy has passed away. Um, it's, it's pretty I, common. I kind of generally remember watching a movie in regards to elephants, and I know that at least young elephants, you know, isolated out and trying to nurse a young elephant can be almost impossible mm-hmm. uh, just due to the fact that it needs that companionship. Yeah, yep, well, they need their friends. Well, and what that tells me is that that's a measure of intelligence because it seems like the smarter animals are, the more they're likely to build those types of relationships mm-hmm. well, with other animals. I, I think it's a combination of intelligence and how it needs to be applied into their natural environment. If you think about these guys, like she says, they're a prey animal. You know, mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be the case with something that preys on others. Right. You know, it may not be. I don't know. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I'm a professional at this, but but it would seem like as a pack, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable. Yes, dealing, absolutely. Dealing with what too. is around. Yeah. And yes. so, but it's just interesting that it gets down to that level, you know. Yes, and we have yeah. one um one mother-daughter combo. We the mom is Melody and she's about 6 or 7 years old and the baby is Daisy and she is 4. You would think that Daisy is 3 months old the way that she is still clung to her mother all the time. Uh-huh. Um and actually this winter she got a case of pneumonia. The only thing that tipped me off, like, hey, maybe I should take her temperature. She always eats, you know, in the line right next to her mother. She went and she ate by somebody else. Interesting. And I was like, something's wrong with her. That's not right. Yep. I'm going to take her temperature, see what's happening. And then I heard her cough and I was like, yep, okay, I know exactly what's wrong with you. It was, when you know, when the winter goes um, melt, freeze, melt, freeze, melt, freeze, a lot of times yeah. that that can be tough on their, you know, outdoor immune livestock, system, yeah. immune system and lungs. Um, so, yeah, and we started treating her right away. But it's it's that noticeable who their Mm. friends are so you know if you're a responsible breeder and you're selling them like i would never sell those two separately yeah i'm just not gonna do it they they need to go together i mean right they're not for sale at this point Mm. but you know if if it it gets if it ever got to that point they they would have to go together so 10 acres on Mm -hmm. a farm and Does that give you a limited capacity to how many of these you can have? Does that give you an unlimited capacity to how many of these you can have? Um, I mean, there's always a limit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the amount of time and... Yeah, so you can always supplement with hay, right? You know, you can always get hay Uh year-round in Michigan. You can source hay. um, And you can always feed them hay. They're happy to eat their hay. Uh Um, But they do like to go out exploring. Yeah. So they... they, Our pastures are more long and thin, so they do kind of... I say that they're going out on their hike they go out and they'll go out to the edge of the woods and things like that um so technically like the limit through the state of michigan is like insanely high because it goes by um animal pounds Uh and they're quite lightweight so therefore i could have many 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 of them Mm -hmm. and still be in compliance we would never have that many (laughs) on that small of an area um so the 30 number is pretty good uh for us and we have a big enough barn to house everybody everyone can sleep in there nicely and you know the boys have their separate area where they can sleep in um, so it works 
out pretty good. Um, and it gives us enough um, genetics to do, you know, matchmaking with and, and things like that. And we, we do train them. So, you know, I don't want to have 100 and then have them not be handled because that's that's really our pride and joy is being able to have nice, pleasant, you know, family members for, for people if they are, they're looking for a more docile alpaca. From a time standpoint, how much time does it take to care for these animals from you or your husband or anyone else you've got working at the farm to help you mm-hmm. with? I mean, is this a full-time job to take care of these animals? No. Is this um, Yeah, so we both work. Yeah, my husband's a teacher. Um, and so basically your daily chores are in the 15 minute zone and then on the weekends we'll spend more time out there maybe a couple hours and check toenails you know if they need an immunization or something along those lines um so your daily's not much more than the average dog really Interesting. well i we're going to need to take a break but i'd really like to talk a little bit about kind of why what is it that you gather from enjoyment of these guys what is it that kind of like I want you to do this, and what is it about them and their personality that 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 brings you to this type of uh, you know, alpaca party? Well, uh-huh. we're going to have it sounds like a psychological examination <laughs> into Gabrielle Feitner Baker and the Feitner Farm filled with alpacas right here after the break on 1320 WILS. From the studios at a nice farm upstate, it's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning with Gabrielle Feitner-Baker, who is the owner of 30 alpacas here in the mid-Michigan area. And Rick, you had a question that you teased before the break that I'm very excited to hear the answer because I got to tell you, it's probably a hard one to figure out. So go ahead and ask your question. Well, well, owning a pet store, we have lots of different departments, the bird department, reptile department, fish department. And there's different reasons why people get excited in each and every one of those. And I'm just curious, asking Gabrielle, what it is about alpacas. Now, I, I will I will take a moment to say that during the break, she showed me a picture of one of her alpacas. And now I'm already automatically in love. <laughs> They're <laughs> but, very cute. But I want to ask Gabrielle what it is that drew you to them and what are they as kind of part of your family now how how do they fit in and and why do you do all the energy i mean you you didn't you you decided to shift mainly to alpacas at this point because you had several other types of animals and now have focused primarily on them there must be a reason yes um so obviously they're adorable everyone has seen pictures of alpacas and you know t-shirts or I don't know, chia pets and all things alpaca that have been really popular lately. Um, We just love their personality and the kids love them. And alpacas love, they do love kids, but they love short people too, especially. (laughs) Um, So, you know, when we very first bought our alpacas, um, they, the people we purchased them from said, you know, you really should take a lawn chair out and sit down. 
when you're starting to to get to know them. Um, so you know, we take our morning cup of coffee out there and our, our little camping chair and sit down, and they they do you know really come to you when you're shorter. Um, so so as a getting to know you process, right? So taller. Mm-hmm. Just people it's just in more general intimidating. Are yeah, it's more intimidating uh, to yes, them. They're, uh, prey, they're prey animals. So yes. yeah. the less you yeah. seem a threat, the more they would like you. I yes. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, when we first got them, I really didn't know that much about them. So, and we, we did purchase three. Um, and we just did kind of what they advised us to do. Yeah, um, and, yeah. you know, you sit out in these chairs and they'll come and they'll sniff your hair and they'll sneak up behind you, check you out. You know, mm-hmm. and then um, once you've kind of got through that stage, you, you know, you can stand up. Obviously, you're not going to have to be crouched down forever. <laughs> <laughs> Crouching tiger. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so they they do start to come up to you. Yeah. And then, like, I will open our kitchen door, and then I've got 30 heads that turn, and they start walking over to the gate because they want to see you. Uh-huh. But then when Very you social. yes yeah and when you're in the pasture though they're not pushy and they're not like kicking you or anything aggressive so like I have no issues if we bring a toddler into the pasture with a handful uh-huh. of treats uh-huh. they're not going to get hurt nice you know nice. which is at least with ours um, I know yeah. there's obviously yeah. different different hyper levels of, of every animal. But with ours, if you go in with treats, they're very social. They're willing to take the treats and they are very, very gentle and they don't have top teeth. So they huh. can't really bite a kid's hand when Not they're taking having... the treats. Okay, It's more of a scoop with their lower teeth. Uh-huh. Um, and then their lips tickle you when they when like uh-huh. it's like a very very fine tickle when they um are eating and i mean little kids just love it so we we have two little kids um one in second grade and one in kindergarten um and then this year they actually they worked really hard this summer and trained one of our alpacas named Marin um, to go to the alpaca show. Your first time at a first show. First time ever, yep. So David and I, I trained one named Jules, and then my husband um, actually showed Marin in the adult class, and then the kids showed Marin in um, three different kid events. And Marin, again, is so one of your first. So a second grader yes. and a kindergartner were already showing these yes. animals at shows. It must be cuter and, than cuter oh than cute watching that. Yes. And how did they do? They won ribbons. Like, oh my gosh. So they the show was fabulous. It is um, called The Buckeye Show down in Ohio. So we loaded everybody up in the trailer and um, mm-hmm. drove three hours when to was get this? a hotel. Um, gosh, I think it's September, September, October. Just late summer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. in the fall. It was it was cooler out when we went. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's called The Buckeye Show. They have a spring version. They have a fall version. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we drove down there. We got a hotel. And, you know, we hadn't been really anywhere because of the whole pandemic situation. So this was one of our first big things (laughs) to go out and do. Um, And then Marin um, and Jules in the adult competition did the – it's called Confirmation or the Halter Show. So that's going to be similar to your dog show. They're looking at the hair and the body style and the teeth and the feet and how they move and all of that sort of thing. And then we signed both of our animals up for um, the fleece competition, and that's actually really nice. The judge – you're in a stall with a judge – who does this for their job. You know, they're, they um, actually, I didn't realize this, but they actually pick out a hair. 
sample, and they have white sleeves, and they lay the hair out on their white sleeves. And so they pick out a hair from, you know, like the side and the neck and the belly, and um, they compare them all to make sure it's consistent, and he can see it on his white sleeve, and they're trained to know that, oh, this one is is this micron and this one is this and the crimp on this is very good or what have you. So then they tell you, you know, these particular animals you should breed with a stud that has these characteristics, mm. which is very helpful because we're, you know, we're fairly new. Relatively still. new. Yes. Um, and especially when it comes to fleece quality, there's a lot of nuances that mm-hmm. we're still learning. Um, so that was a very helpful competition. But the highlight was the kids got to do an obstacle course. And mm. they were the only two signed up. It's called, they were so little, it's called the sub junior category. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like two kids in the junior category, and then our two were in the sub junior category. <laughs> um, and so then they had to jump over a hurdle and walk us across something crinkly and go up a little flight of stairs, then back down, and then go under like a limbo bar with some streamers dangling. Uh-huh. And then they had to run and then stop and then walk and then stop and back up. All, all sorts of things. Wow. And so both kids, when you're in the sub-junior category, you don't you don't really get ranked. Um, sure. So each kid they got a giant ribbon. They and accomplished. Yes. Each one, it, the ribbon was like the size of a dinner plate with tails about oh, yeah. two feet long. Oh, and they were rainbow. They were rainbow. Super excited. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then my daughter, Clara, actually participated in the showmanship class. Um, which is basically it, you're, you could have the worst fleece alpaca of all time, but still do really well in showmanship, you know, because they're they're listening to you, they're trained, that sort of thing. And she was the only sub junior in her cat and that went and did this, and so she got another big ribbon, and she walks out there with pride, walking this tiny alpaca out there, and yeah, they so they love Marin. But that makes Marin, I believe, the winningest alpaca from the Buckeye show because she did win five different ribbons. Nice, nice. Because <laughs> we used her so much. <laughs> um, well, what's interesting about this whole thing is that I think of dog shows, and you're right. You can do great in obedience and terrible mm-hmm. in terms of the show, the the actual showing mm-hmm. of the yep. animal. But the fact that they are so smart and so trainable and so amenable to people that are that young, that's amazing yes. to me. It makes me wonder why don't more people know that and therefore have these animals as as pets at, at their homes. Yeah, and I think um, they're definitely becoming more popular. Um, you know, as as people start to select for personality more. Like originally, when they first got shipped over in the '80s, you had what you had. You got you got you know thirty grand or more into each animal, and because they were so expensive to import, and you're just gonna breed what you have. As the you know time has gone on, you're selecting for at least a lot of farms are are starting to select for more personality and um, willingness to engage. So, like if I am going to a farm and shopping for an alpaca, I'm looking for the ones that are coming up and trying to engage with me because those are the ones for us that make a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a fine line. They could be pushy. You know, you don't want them to be pressing on you. You just want them to be curious and watching you and seeing what you're doing. Um, and then for us, that's that's a really good balance. Well, and it's pretty obvious to say that anytime, even now, the animal isn't 
$30,000, but it is still a relatively expensive animal. Correct. You can talk about that. And then mm-hmm. not only that, do you need to get three instead of one? Mm-hmm. And then you have to have the proper facility. And, it's expensive. And, yeah. 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 So there's yep. there's no low budget opportunity there. So so that's kind of going to be a somewhat of a you know a restriction, and, right? You know. Yeah, and we can definitely go over why the the initial animals are super expensive too in the the next segment. But they, um, you know, they take a lot of time to go from just mating to a healthy alpaca ready to go to a new home. It's it's about two years. Well, we'll talk about that because we need to take one more break. We're talking this morning with Gabrielle Feitner-Baker. And after the break, we'll have that conversation right here on 1320 WILS. Make up your mind. Two legs, good. Four legs, better. Any more or less than that, it's a party. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I am the little red rooster. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about alpacas with our guest, Gabrielle Feitner-Baker, who owns a farm in MidMichigan. And, Gabrielle, let's talk about uh, when someone wants to go through and get alpacas, what are the costs involved? Where do they go to get information or help or what have you? Help explain to people how if they saw a picture, fell in love as as Rick Proust did this morning a few minutes ago, <laughs> and they decided, I want to get this, what are the steps? Um, so obviously you can come to me. Um, so we do specialize in mentoring new alpaca owners. A lot of the really well-established show farms don't necessarily want to go down that road because it is a, it's, I mean, it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of texting back and forth and Mm -hmm. emails and phone Mm -hmm. calls and what do I do if, um, but really having somebody like that in your corner is a, is a big deal. Um, you know, I certainly had that when we purchased our first, uh, group of alpacas and, um, you know, the, just keep in mind that when you do go to select an animal from conception to birth, this breeder has almost two years into this animal. So if you think that, you know, you're going to get away with a $500 animal, you can't even cover the cost for that. Um, so you're right. going to start off with right. a, a couple thousand dollars per animal, and right. depending on how nice it is and personality and fleece and all that stuff, it plays into the value. And then remember um, to multiply by three. And then remember to multiply that by three. Yes. Yeah. Um, that being said, once you actually have the animals on your property, um, they don't eat very much. So it's not like you're getting a horse where you're going to be going through bales and bales and bales of hay. Okay. They're going to be eating, you know, two to three pounds of hay um, each per day, mm-hmm. which is not even close to a whole bale. Mm-hmm. So, and that's in the winter when there's no grazing. And then they're going to be eating about, you know, three quarters or a pound of alpaca grains 
uh, per day, and a 50-pound bag runs anywhere between $20, $25. Mm-hmm. So that bag lasts and, a while. Is that like a, an alfalfa pellet, or what is it? It's got a lot of it? vitamins and minerals in it. Usually they're alpaca-specific. Um, we actually do sell a, a brand of it at our farm, too, if people right. want to buy you know, a half pallet or whatever. Um, but you can get it at you know, like a Soldens or a Tractor Supply special order. Um, I know Chewy does deliver it mm-hmm. online, too. It's a little bit more expensive to do that, but they do drop it off at the door. Um, so, you know, you're not going through massive quantities of food once right. they actually are there. So they're pretty inexpensive livestock to in, maintain. In the, in the facility that you would have at a house, there's a basic? Let's say I wanted just three. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, a gigantic barn or anything. Um, as long as they have shelter from the sun and the rain and wind, uh, it's it's good. And they, they don't need a heated barn. No, and they really, um, they have a much tougher time in the summer. So you have to, um, we provide a kiddie pool, which, you know, you can get at the dollar store for a few dollars sure. in the summer. Um, and then we do turn on a sprinkler for them for about 15, 20 minutes every day every in day. the late afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because they're a little spoiled, but they also really love it. And no, they, if they were spoiled, they'd have a slip and slide. Right. Yeah. So they, <laughs> and it's adorable. They run through, they love the water. They, and you just spray their bellies with mm-hmm. it or they'll stand mm-hmm. over the sprinkler and then they're happy. So and kids love to spray them, too. Right. It's, every kid loves to play with the hose and get everything all wet. Well, plus, <laughs> so. plus one of the nice things that you had mentioned earlier is that they're also very clean comparatively when they go yes. to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, they're they're organized yes, in the way that they, they are do. organized. You cannot believe this, but for the, per- that, the first time I heard, and I know it's the same case with llamas, I was talking to a breeder, and uh, any chance— I mean, okay, I just want to do a slight segue. I was in my daughter's backyard trying to do a favor, so I started cleaning up after Bruce, the big Great Dane, and I spent an hour. It's going to be a lot messier than I got. I got a quarter of it, and each time (laughs) I would put it into a pile. So it took me an hour to put that into a pile. Now we move over to the alpacas. It's already in a pile. There you go. Bingo. Yep. So it's already in a pile. Um, we use a rake and a little shovel. And actually, my little nephew, who's three, he brings out his little shovel and he likes to help us. <laughs> it's so nice. cute. Nice. And the kids at the show, you know, you got to clean their pens and it's the same thing. It's in a nice yeah. pile. Yeah. Um, so it they are very clean and um, they are very smart. They will learn your patterns. They'll know, you know, like ours do when you open the mm-hmm. kitchen door, it's food time and they're mm-hmm. going to get ready for for that and we have a couple that we've trained to you know kiss our cheeks on command and some of them we've trained to take selfies they know if you get your phone out they that if we have a visitor or whatever to get their face up in there so they can <laughs> take a selfie nice Train nice. them obviously to load into a trailer yeah. and get their shots and things like that well, so. well and I, you can't you can't beat that you know i what i wanted to mention is that in the world of oh whether it's exotic or farm animals or in the idea of uh, it as a business. And mm-hmm. frankly, this is a business. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a there, business. There's, there's what we consider a, like, what is the mission statement? What is the goal of that operation? You know, for our store, I, I have my own, like, vision of if somebody acquires an animal from us and they go with enough information, and then when they're in their home, they have enough information, experience, and a healthy animal so that their experience is 
positive, hopefully. I, right? Yeah, I yeah. almost <laughs> think of life changing in yes. some ways because yeah. of the value of pets and pet keeping, mm-hmm. right? We've gotten somewhere, and it just sounds like that if I were to ask your close. mission statement, yes. it isn't going to be too far from that. Yes, and we, I mean, we train them to pick up their feet um, before they go home yeah. so that you can tip their foot and trim their their toenails. Um, we train them to get up on a scale on command. We train them to step forward and Jeez. back up. So a lot of the training we do is just off lead. Um, yeah. But we do, you know, the halter training as well. And I, my goal is to set them up with a polite alpaca group, you know, that, again, is healthy. We've, mm-hmm. we've had the vet out and all that stuff mm-hmm. that they can have fun with them, that is you great. know, and enjoy their time outside yeah. and get yeah. the family outside. And, you know, that's really what we do. Um, at home. Well, and in fairness to you, you look at the price of a lot of purebred dogs. They've gone up to multiple thousands of dollars. You really have to look at it like that. People are paying for it. Yeah, it's no different. But the, Mm -hmm. well, and and you have to give them shots or pills in order to deal with pests and to keep Mm -hmm. them healthy. But what's different about alpacas is the value of their fur. I mean, give us an idea of what do alpaca fur products sell for um, that, yeah. that people need to understand because it's valuable. It is valuable and it's very soft. Um, your average hat sells for, I don't know, around 30 to $40. Um, a pair of socks is usually between 20 and 25 um, They're moisture wicking. It's antimicrobial. You can also sell the poop. Um, you are allowed, you know, to local gardeners, people will come and pick it up and they want the alpaca poop. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. I'm allergic so, to wool. You can wear alpaca generally. Generally, um, it's normally, less likely. You're probably allergic to the lanolin, the oils on the wool, okay. and alpacas don't produce lanolin. Okay. Um, so that's one of their, that's their big, you know, benefit. And like we have socks that are woven with a little bit of silver, so they're extra antimicrobial and moisture wicking. So you actually then, produce them or um, you purchase so them and sell them? We uh, were part of a co-op, so okay. I actually take all of the fleece. We had like a gajillion bags last year and we palletize it. A semi-truck picks it up, brings it to a mill in Massachusetts, and then they sort it from there into the best product usages. And then um, I get money to spend on the items there from them. So I, I, like a credit. I, I'm if just you curious. Will. You won, like you were one of the best of of the 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 hair at the show. Yes. Uh, or, I think Marin got third place in third her place. color. So yeah, so that, decent. Mm-hmm. Does that have some value or not? It, it not? does. Yeah. So ideally, I would be able to knit beautiful things in all of my spare time. <laughs> 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 and I know people that do that, and yeah. it's amazing. That is. That's not really what we're into. We are definitely more focused on the pet aspect yeah. and the animal training yeah. and the breeding. Um, now, Gabrielle, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way for them to do that quickly? Because we're yep. about out of time. Yeah, so you can look up Feitner Family Farms, and it's spelled F-E-I-G-H-N-E-R, either on Facebook or FeitnerFamilyFarms.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Again, we've been speaking with Gabrielle Feitner-Baker. And, Rick, unfortunately, playtime's over. 
we just can't play on this subject anymore. The good news is we get to talk next week for just as long, and that's what we'll do. So all of you, please, please have a great week and take good care of your pets. Have a great time, everybody. Hey, got some ideas for a show? Questions? Maybe suggestions? Just email us, mmpets at 1320wils.com or message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mmpets.